When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Here we are in hour number two of uh, Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howe out today. He will be back tomorrow. Our final ever show in this iteration and in, uh, incarnation with uh, Cameron Park, our producer. Cam had scheduled vacation before any of the other stuff started happening. So he's going up to New York. And you said Montreal? Yeah, Montreal. I'm going to pay homage to the Big O. Uh, gotten really into Expo's history. So. Uh, see, he's reading the book, and, and this is, gets us into our, 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 our next guest, my uh, longtime broadcaster in Longhorn football and baseball from uh, 2002, and of course, even prior to that, when Bill Shunning was involved with us, uh, with, with uh, obviously with baseball, but Keith Moreland and I did uh, football and baseball together consecutively from 20, 2002 all the way to 2010, and then of course, Keith does an outstanding job at Longhorn Network working with Zeke, with Greg Swindell on those, and Keith still joins me on a lot of road uh, baseball broadcast. So it's good to see you again. I'm glad you're here, and I was about to mention that, and Cameron, before you were born, 1986, I'm on a baseball trip with a buddy. We go to Olympic Stadium in Montreal, a Sunday afternoon game, Cubs-Expos. I didn't remember too much about it other than the Cubs won. I think it was 2-1. That was the first time I ever had an individual round pizza. They called it Pizza Rondo, and it was really good. I remember that. But we had seats that we could almost reach out and touch the left field foul pole. We were like first row, upper deck, down the line. And so I went back because the baseball reference was such a great website where you can look up any game virtually from any time. And I looked up that game, and none other than Keith Moreland hit a home run on that Sunday afternoon. Bill Gullickson was probably pitching. I wore that that poor guy out. He's later on a good friend, but uh, uh, I think I took him beat six or seven times. I I wasn't a huge home run hitter, but this particular guy, if I hit it it on the head of the bat, guys, it had a great chance to get out of the ballpark. The the Phillies were such a thorn in the side of the Expos in the the 70s. The Expos were so close to getting Mike Smith had that home run. I think that's going to go down and probably has tortured Expos history. Well, it, it it was great for me because it, it helped yeah. us win a world championship. So I remember the time uh, we had played. If, if, if you went back and look at that game, Cameron, I believe for both teams it was extra innings right at uh, 10 innings or 11 innings, and it was expanded rosters. I believe that there were 55 or 56 players played in that game. Jeez. I mean, I started the game behind the plate, got a base hit. They lifted me for a pinch runner, and that was in the seventh <laughs> inning. And I, then I had, <laughs> I had three more hours of nerve-wracking deal because that's the day we clinched. Yeah. And uh, 
In 1980? Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon national television game that lasted about six hours. <laughs> so I've heard that that field or read that the field was basically like you were playing on, on concrete. And that's what messed up Andre Dawson oh, so no, much no was, question. was his knees were already bad before he was drafted. And playing on that in the cold, hard winters, it must have been pretty tough. Well, we I played a game there. We started at 17 degrees. And they said, oh, it's oh. got a roof. <laughs> yeah. 17 degrees, man. What? It doesn't matter if there's a roof. It's cold. Give me, it's just cold. Uh, but the unique thing about it, you could play and be behind the plate. At that time, I was a, a, a catcher. Uh, but I started a game there as a catcher where the pitcher and the catcher, we weren't in the snow, but if you looked at center field, it's snowing like crazy mm-hmm. because it was such an odd shape. Obviously, the arena was built to run the relays yeah. for the 76 Olympics. Yeah. Olympics. Well, when they tried to fit a, a baseball field <laughs> into it, some of it was over the overhang and so the hole in the roof was more out towards center field than it was over home plate so you would have parts of the ballpark where it was snowing and parts of the ballpark where it wasn't there was ice patches too sometimes on the field where outfielders had to navigate remember where the ice patch was so you don't fall on your butt oh it's it was uh uh, but it was jerry better than jerry park yeah i can (laughs) imagine that So let's just let's just go to that. It was it was better better than the the previous. You, I'm trying to remember. Did you you didn't actually play in a game in I, I Jerry did, Park? I never played in a game in Jerry Park. But it, it couldn't help. But the first time I got called up, I got we go to Montreal. I had to go look at it because it was still intact. Because in '77, yeah, I had not gotten to the big leagues yet. But in '77, they were still playing in Jerry Park. When they moved over in '78, when they finally got it into the thing, Jerry Park was still up. So you you know. I, you know, took the train or the metro, they called it, in, in Montreal and went over and saw the ballpark. And I went, oh, my gosh, can you believe this was a big league ballpark? It's just hard to believe. Wow. Wow. Uh, okay. So I thought that I found the right one. Let's see. I thought I found it, but I may be wrong. You did have you did have an RBI double off Bob Sebra. Okay. That uh, day. Uh, and And you went two for four. Uh, scored a run uh, in that game, and that was a two to one uh, Sunday afternoon game in Montreal. So that was that was the one I guess I was thinking about uh, off of that. But uh, I didn't even I didn't even realize it. Now I just remembered that it was a two to one uh, Sunday game at Olympic Stadium in Montreal. So yeah, I know I, I know that goes back uh, uh, goes back a little bit. I was you know just making sure that I got the right date on that because I wanted to I wanted to make sure I ended Cameron. Up- there is still a place there. Some of the best ribs you'll ever have is called Barbie Barn. Oh, please. Just just put that in your I, – I, I'm Add it to the list right now. Thank it's, you. Uh, I, I'm right at 100 years old, I would think, by now. Wow. But it's been there a long time. Uh, it's uh, right off the main drag. I can't – St. Germain, is that the St. – Yeah, uh, I think. I think uh, right you know, I'm, I'm, it's been a long time since I've been to Montreal. I've, there's a few brain cells gone. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 w- I wanted to have you come in for, for a variety of reasons, um, not the least of which, obviously, this is uh, down in the final few shows for sure. me on this thing. But um, uh, there was a time you and I and Rod Babers did a show together. Absolutely. Uh, we did that, and then, and then working on the games as well. Also, uh, through some rescheduling, I wound up having David Pierce on last hour, and uh, we talked about... I was listening. Okay. So I wa- wanted to get your impressions, you know, with... Uh, uh, even before it wound up with uh, the Coach Pierce interview being rescheduled this morning, the uh, the roster makeup as well as the reorganization. 
yeah, of his coaching staff. You know, I, I look at it the same thing as, as you hear David talk about. It. I mean, you're always, if you're setting still, you're backing up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, Coach Pierce, you know, made decisions. He, he's got to look at it. it. It all falls on his shoulders to, uh, you know, what happens. And, and so uh, the, the coaching staff and the realignment, it's great to have Tulo back. I think they'll, they'll figure out that that part of it and get start to get comfortable with that. So I really don't look at that as that big of change, to, to be honest, uh, because Coach Pierce is obviously involved in everything anyway as a head coach. Well, now, and he's been a pitching coach, so uh, it, it will take a little more off of his everyday uh, offensive stuff and his ideas, uh, what he does offensively. But he's got some veteran guys. Phillip's a veteran guy. Steve mm-hmm. is obviously a veteran guy, and and. Uh, has done that, so I feel really comfortable with that part. The part that that is so unique and what's got to drive them crazy is trying to get your roster together right now. It's just really difficult to do, especially with a portal and with oh. those who didn't sign and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, because you you got eleven point seven, you got to juggle that. I mean, I, I, you always say, well, it's off time for for Coach Pierce. I think probably this is the the one that makes him. He cannot sleep much at night. I think once you get to everybody on campus and you get into the fall, I think it becomes just, oh, it's just baseball now. Now we got to take what we have here and adjust and find the guys and see if we can help them get better and, and make them better and, and that kind of thing. But uh, it, it is, uh, it's a nerve-wracking industry, and it has changed drastically in the last five years. Wow. Um for those, and I've had a couple of people ask this on the uh, on the Specs text line, and and we've explained it a little bit, but you have been in this situation, and you have been around a lot of people who have been in the situation, so you can explain it even better. And that is the whole thing uh, about when a player is considering whether to sign or not, and slot value, and things of that nature. And it did come down to the final twenty four hours for Dylan Campbell yeah. before he signed with the Dodgers, and they went above slot to sign him at five hundred thousand dollars, which I think is a good deal for him. Obviously, how about your thoughts on all of that? Well, I, I think you've got to look at it as as a family. Uh, and- you know, I know Dylan, and, and, and I've met his dad and his mom, and, and, and they looked at it as a family, and, and I'm sure they had to make a decision uh, one way or the other. And, and I think probably he had a number in mind. I think that's mm-hmm. the other thing that you need to do uh, is have a number say, hey, if I'm going to give up and, and forego a, a senior year of, of, of baseball and, and scholarship and everything else that goes on to, to be a collegiate player and making the trips to Omaha that he's been involved in and that kind of thing – I, I best of luck to him. I, mm-hmm. I think you got to take a shot. How do I say this and not offend Longhorn fans? I, I don't want to offend Longhorn fans. It's a great place to play. It's one of the great places to play baseball anywhere in America. And so, if you're going to play college baseball, it's a great place to be. But all of these young men have great aspirations of being major league players. Sure. And you get that that shot, and it comes where an organization steps above, steps up, goes over slot, willing to take it. They're looking at you saying, hey, we think you're a guy that could help us and be a part of our organization. I think you got to take your – I got to think you got to take your opportunity when you get that opportunity. Yeah. And I don't look at that as much at money as I look at, hey, this organization – first of all, Great organization to be with. I mean, I know you're a Dodger fan, but for years, the minor league system and what they've done in the Dodger system has been the best in baseball, and it's no different now. 
Yeah. And and then in his individual case, to be a fourth-round pick and for them to jump above slot, and he's going to accrue a half a million dollars to sign off of that, that's a good deal for him. you got to go. Craig, yeah. I, 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 you know, I know we're, we're trying to put it in logic, but it's just – you got to go. Yeah, I mean, you got to take that opportunity. You've always wanted to do it. It's a lifelong dream, and you're a professional athlete. All right, how different? It, 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 you've seen it. I've seen it. We've we, we've all seen it. Uh, Longhorn fans who are uh, you know loyal, very loyal Longhorn baseball fans. Some of them get a little uh, antsy and impatient about stuff. You know, when are they going to win another world champ? Uh, the college uh, World Series championship, a national championship. When is going to this? And, and I've heard you say this before, and I've heard other learned baseball minds, your broadcast partner on on Longhorn Network. I've heard uh, Greg Swindell say this. I've heard Kyle Peterson talk about this, uh, that that college baseball is so different now than it was even five years ago. Oh, no doubt. Because of the portal, which is which has equalized a lot of the playing field and made it even more challenging, even for the annual huge contenders. LSU won the national championship. When was the last time LSU won the national championship? Oh, nine when they beat Texas. Yeah. Before it, it, that, it's 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 a different playing field. And now. how many more times has Texas been there than LSU since then? Yeah, with an opportunity because yeah. it's getting to Omaha and then getting the opportunity. I mean, a, a break here, a break there. In 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 the last five years, Texas could definitely had claimed their seventh. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. it Craig, it, college baseball has changed so much that it is. There's a new program. There's a new script that you had to get there. And you heard Coach Pierce earlier in the last hour talking with you. He's trying to look at that script. What do you have to do? What What are the things we're going to have to do to make sure the University of Texas is where it's always been? More trips than anybody to the College World Series. Mm-hmm. One of the elite programs in the history of the sport, if not the elite program. How do you maintain that? So you've got to find all those avenues. You've got to work through NIL. you got to walk through the portal. Do you have to continue to recruit guys while you have them on campus? I get the opportunity, Craig. Every team that comes in to play the Longhorns, Craig and I go across, talk to their head coach, try to mm-hmm. find out a little bit about their team, try to put their team in the best light that we can. Some are a little more forthcoming with their oh. team information than others. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, sometimes there's no sense in me walking and spending that time. But I start every year for the last two years. I start with the first question. I said, well, are you how's how's recruiting going of your team? And they all start laughing, and they all know exactly what I'm talking about because mm-hmm. you're while the season is going on, you're still recruiting players that are playing for you now because of of, of transfer and mm-hmm. NIL. So you just keep it is a nonstop process, and that's why it's so important to get a, a staff together. It's somebody that's watching and doing all that and understanding what's going on because there will be changes even at midterm. Now, I think there's going to have to be some rule changes of when you can do this and when you can't do this. I, somebody is going to have to step forward and, and close the window and say, hey, here's your window if you want the opportunity to move. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there are some some deadlines, some you deadlines but there's going to have to be something that's really defined and say, all right, then we don't. Then it allows a staff, wherever staff that may be, the University of Texas, Texas A&M, University of Oklahoma, Skip Johnson, their staff can go go to work on the 28, 25, 27 players they can carry 
in a conference game right. or the 35 that you can have on campus. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Keith Moreland joining us during this uh, portion of uh, the program here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Um, of the guys that are coming back now, who are you most excited about that will be in a Longhorn uniform next year? I think Tanner Whit. Uh, I, I just want to see. I want to see this young man come back to be what he was. You would hate to see a guy that was at the top of his game as an eighteen, nineteen year old kid have an injury and him not get back to where he had the great feel. I, he doesn't have to come back and throw a hundred miles an hour, mm-hmm. but to come back and have good feel of his breaking ball, his understanding because he knows how to pitch. I'm real excited to see him come back, take. A, hold of that leadership sort of scenario because he is a he's always got a smile on his face he's one of those guys that coach Pierce took him everywhere even though he's mm-hmm. injured because he was important to the club what he does to the club he's vocal he's very you know, I'm just excited to see him to to go forward and would love to see him get that great feel and to be able that be that number one guy because he is a guy if he's right and he's healthy, he's a number one Friday guy as good as anybody in the country. There was a guy at LSU who helped them win a world championship as a number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Paul did. And I, I'd love to see Tanner make that make that jump and be back healthy to get that done. Let me ask you some thoughts on some other guys since we're on the subject of, uh, of pitching. Uh, LeBaron Johnson, LBJ, uh, who went undrafted, which was unfathomable to some people, but of course that keyword signability comes in when he has more flexibility, being a redshirt sophomore. Yes, and then and then Charlie Hurley, who was a guy that it, it, Coach Pierce was talking about this when he was on the flight coming back from Palo Alto. He was already starting to do his exit interviews with some of the guys on the plane to get sure. their thoughts. Charlie was sitting two rows behind me, I think, and he went down and 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 he was asking him, you know, what are you thinking about for the draft? It happens, or, you know, the, the round happens. What what would it take? This and that, you know, you got to go through all that process as well. So both are coming back. Yeah, and 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 for Charlie, I, I think it's consistency. I think that's that's the big word. I think that cost him a little bit in the eyes of the professional because his frame is outstanding. His delivery, he, he can't he can't throw a ball straight. I mean, that's some of that is the reason he would struggle sometimes to throw strikes, but he's got great movement to his ball. He's a guy that can throw a sinker and swing and miss. They can actually swing and miss on a sinker. You don't see that very often at any level that you can throw a fastball. And for folks that don't know the game of baseball, a sinker is a fastball that has real good downward movement. And when you say he's got swing and miss sinker, that's a term you don't say very often at any level. That's and true. he's got swing and, swing and miss sinker. So, yeah, he's another guy. It, you look at What's available to come back? You you got to feel good about where Texas is going into the last year of Big Twelve play and a new schedule against mm-hmm. other schools coming into the league. University of Houston, obviously BYU will come to town. Uh, there, there's some a lot well, of they, things I that think are going they're going to, to Central Florida. I yeah. think they'll be, they'll be doing that. I'm sure we'll be going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, in, in May, uh, no less. Uh, what do you want to see out of LBJ? A consistency. And I thought you saw that and saw that growth in the last five starts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't break it down. I usually have an opportunity to break it down. But he started, had a really unbelievable start against LSU. Mm-hmm. And you thought everybody's light switch went on. And then you saw that inconsistency in that youth. He just hadn't been to the mound. He had not pitched. And you just got to pitch. And then you saw the inconsistency he had in the middle part of the season. 
and then you saw the growth after May 15. We saw him in Kansas even before the May yeah. 15, right before we had the 12 yeah. strikeouts. So you just see that growth. So, you know, you got to feel good. if You just mentioned three names, and all three could be your – that could be your weekend rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – I feel pretty good about that. Now, you always have to have somebody in the back end of the bullpen, mm-hmm. and I think that that'll be a work in progress that they'll work through throughout the fall. Uh, Keith Moreland here with us right now during our uh, Longhorn Notebook portion of the program. Um, I know one of the guys who really impressed you quite a bit, especially being his first year in college ball, was Jared Thomas. We heard David Pierce say it's the possibility they could see him maybe as a corner outfielder, maybe in right field or in the outfield there because they have some other options at first base. How about your thoughts on JT? Well, I think JT probably at the next level, uh, when he gets a chance to go to, to baseball, will be an outfielder. He runs really well. He's got a, a, a above-average arm. He could go to the mound if need be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think that the, that the this staff and Coach Pierce will do that, but uh, you know, David, if you're out there, you can call back in and, <laughs> and say that you might be willing to do that. But he, he's a guy that, could, that has that ability. Uh, but the people that I met in pro ball or that are some scouts and things before I got the chance to see JT play in mm-hmm. college said, this guy is, 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 could be a plus outfielder. And we know what University of Texas outfield play is like mm-hmm. because it's been the best of anybody in, in America for the last decade, and you have to in the ballpark that they play here at the Dish. So I could very easily see him making that transition. You get a little more, and I hate to use this term, but I would think that that we might get a little more physical guy can hit the ball the ballpark mm-hmm. at first base. Uh, surprise that Porter Brown wound up uh, both undrafted and not getting uh, tendered a free agent opportunity. You know, I, I, a little bit. I think Porter's got a, a, a lot of things happening for him. He's obviously smart as a whip. You know, wants to be a wants to be a doctor, but he also, I mean, I talked to him multiple times during the year. He still has. He's still thinking about playing professional ball. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I don't know. It's a, signability is this big term. I'm not sure that that Porter had a, a big problem with signability. I, I don't know that. Right. Uh, but uh, he is so smart, uh, a great young man. Uh, he, I, you got to love his smile and, and being around him. So, uh, you know, I – I will guarantee you that this is a staff that didn't think that they would have Porter Brown yeah. coming back. And, and we heard David Pierce saying he's happy to have him back. Okay, uh, since you work in the ESPN family, I'll uh, I'll throw out one of their things they like to do. Fact or fiction? Fact or fiction? The most surprising everyday player on the Longhorn baseball team this past season was Jack O'Dowd. No doubt. So you, you say that's fact? Then. Yeah, I okay. think that's fact. Okay. I, 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 we weren't sure exactly what you were going to get for Jackie. There were some struggles in the middle part of the season, mm-hmm. but how about what he brought to the table over the, the last five weeks of the season? Mm-hmm. I mean, what a huge plus. Uh, made all the plays defensively. And he then, was the only guy who hit in Arlington at the tournament. You know, and, and, and I think that carried in. I think his last series against West Virginia, he yep. was swinging the bat well, and then uh, it just led into the postseason. And, Boy, you know, what a great – and then Peyton Powell. I mean, my gosh, every year the University of Texas in the history of the sport has always had somebody that nobody's really counted on that has come forward and been this great player. There was a, a, another third baseman before him, weren't sure what you were going to get, and all of a sudden he had 16 home runs and mm-hmm. a switch hitter named Williams 
<laughs> and and then all of a sudden you lose him, and then you find a guy like Peyton Powell and Floyd and, Taylor. And in between the two, Skyler Messenger yeah, and comes so in. And... You just look at, at, at what Peyton brings to plate. The most flexible hitter I've ever seen, and I think that is so important. Ty Harrington talks about it all the time, about flexibility when you're hitting. And, uh, boy, he's, his lower body is so flexible, stays inside the ball so well, and I expect him to have a, a marvelous year. All right. Uh, uh, we – we get ready. You're also another guy I know you're very high on and have been since he's been here is Ryland Galvan. Oh yeah, I think Ryland Galvan is a 20 home run guy. Think about that. I, I I think he is a big, physical, strong kid that's gotten better. I loved watching him around the ballpark. He was always watching, listening, doing those things that that you need to do. He was trying to get better every day, and he's got a tremendous arm. He's got a great body. For uh, for first or third, I mean for first or catch, and tremendous power. I mean, it's hard to mention in the same name. He he's not the hitter right yet that that Melendez is, but he's one of those guys with tremendous power in all directions. That's the last thing I was going to say before we hit a break here. Uh, Ivan is now at Double A, playing for the Amarillo Sod Poodles in the Texas League. Uh, off to a, a rip roaring start there after he hit a club record eighteen homers. Uh, uh, in Hillsborough in the single. He's got 10 hits and six of them have left the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, if if things progress the way it is, A, could you see the Diamondbacks bring him up as a September call-up? And B, how far overall do you think he is away from being a major leaguer? Well, I don't think that they will bring him up in September. They're in the, they're in the race. They are. Uh, now, they might want to show it, to him and he won't get a lot of time and they get an opportunity to throw BP to him every day and all those things where the coaching staff can get used to mm-hmm. seeing him so that's a possibility but it also starts the time clock oh yeah service time service time yeah. clock and <laughs> in today's world they don't like to start that clock <laughs> so uh, uh, just because of, of arbitration and everything else um, but I could definitely see him in Florida in Arizona uh in the mm-hmm. Arizona Fall League, yep. where they get to send their top ten pro, uh, uh, prospects, and he is definitely the Diamondbacks in their top ten prospects. And uh, I could see him going to big league camp next year and starting in AAA, and then there's an opportunity at some point next year they'll start that clock and get him to the big leagues. Uh, do, you, do you think a fair comp for Melendez might be Joey Gallo? No, I think – Gallo has tremendous power and a good team, but but Joey was a swing and miss guy. One of the great things about Melendez and and uh, Troy uh, talked about Tulo talked about it so much is, is it, not only does he have tremendous power, he's got contact. He 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 does not swing and miss for a guy that could be a forty home run guy in the big leagues. Where Gallo was a swing and miss guy. I mean, he could he could. He took big swings and he could hit it with tremendous power, but he he, he swung through a lot of balls. He got balls by, by Melendez doesn't do that. I mean, uh, when he lets the barrel go, you see him very often. If it's in the zone, now he'll get fooled on a slider. There's not a hitter in the history of the game that hadn't swung and missed. But I'm just talking about on, especially fastballs in the zone with two strikes. He, you don't see him swing through a lot of them ever. And Gallo, you saw that a lot. I mean, you mm-hmm. you could get that 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 strikeout from 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 Gallo, and I just it's a great comparison and and power, just different styles of swing. 
Uh, we need a break. When we come back, we'll talk some football with Keith Moreland as well as we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital. The Horn app at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. This is the right thing to do. How can I ever change things that I This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Keith Moreland with you today. Jeff Howe will be back in tomorrow. Somebody on the Specs text line, let us know. We have a very intelligent group. That tend- St. Catharines would have been where the uh, barbecue place Yeah, was. yeah. It's, it's right right off the main drag. I mean, that's the main drag, St. Catharines. I mean, beautiful cathedrals. It, it, it is a, a – I've got to tell a quick story. I, I signed mm-hmm. professionally, got, got into professional ball, played a game in Reading, Pennsylvania, uh, got on a bus – and drove 15 hours to Quebec City, Canada to play my next game. So that was in the Eastern League at the time. You had Quebec City, Thetford Mines. Thetford Mines, yeah. And Three Rivers yeah. in Canada. Were the three teams. Trois Rivières. Oh, you know, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I mean, you, you spoke. I mean, it was all French. I mean, we'd go down to get try to get ham and eggs in the morning. I, where in the heck is ham and eggs? I can't look at that menu and figure out what it was. <laughs> Did you ever learn how to speak French? Or no, <laughs> no. <laughs> just uh, then later on. I mean, obviously uh, the Expos uh, came into were in in the league, and when you got in the league, then in Montreal there was a lot more English speaking people than Upper Ontario. And when you, you get above, I mean, Quebec City was very, very French. I mean, everything the street signs. I mean, you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. It was amazing. Well, fact, the, the day that I saw you play in 86 at Montreal, the, the guys with we were on this trip, we stopped in Montreal on that Sunday morning and went into what would basically be a CVS or a Walgreens. It was a drugstore. Uh, and and I went, we were buying, trying to buy this. We'll show how long ago this was in 86. Blank cassette tapes because we had a little bitty jam box thing with us and we would record the broadcast of the games we were at. Sometimes because we ran a note up to the booth to say, there, Harry Carey read it when we were in Chicago. Oh, that's great. There's a couple of guys here <laughs> catching the games. And, and so we did this and I go into the, I go into the drugstore and I walk up to the counter and I said, where do you keep your uh, cassette tapes? And he went, Pardonnez-moi. And I went, oh, wait a minute. All right, now, wait a minute. I took four years of French, high school, two years ago. Let me think about this. Qu'est-ce que c'est cassette du magnétique? Oh, oui. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow, I pulled that one out of the yeah, end there. sure did. So, uh, so, yeah, I did remember that. But anyway. I can butcher the English language. Most of the <laughs> All right. I, I, yeah, I have to get you to tell two baseball stories before we move to football. One, uh, to retell it, uh, is your very early professional uh, debut in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, what you did that day when you played in the game and what you did after the game with your teammates that night. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we came to Winston-Salem, played a game. That, that, at that time, that was the Boston Red Sox Western Carolina League high A representative. So we played in the game. And you're playing for Spartanburg, I'm right? playing the for Spartanburg, Spartanburg South Phillies. Carolina. Yeah. At Ernie Shore Field That's in Winston-Salem. Exact, exactly right. you, know, you got Butch Hobson. There was a lot of awful good Boston players that later on went to Boston. On my team's Lonnie Smith. We, we had some good players on our team as well. And as soon as the game's over, a couple of the guys who were beside me, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fresh. I, I'm 
you know, you're you're the new kid that that came into this. Even though I was 21 years old, played in college, and and there were some guys younger than me actually. How long had you been up? I, I a week, two I, weeks. No, I had signed. My first game was in Anderson. We went back to uh, Spartanburg, played a three game set, and then we left on a. And a lot of times they did this, and people don't realize it. A lot of times they played Saturday through Wednesday, and then you went to another spot and played Thursday through Sunday. Wow. So the the the, the places do. So we were coming in for the first day in Winston-Salem was the night before. So I played the night before, played the game, and I watched all these guys ordering the clubhouse guys to, to go get them water, these big one-gallon water jugs. And I'm saying, what are they doing? They're pouring the water out. And they're filling it for a beer. And he says, oh, man, you didn't know. We were told last week that we all have access into the concert next door and to take our own beer because we're going to be up with the Hells Angels. And I'm going, well, who's playing? ZZ Top. Mm. Steve Miller Band. Didn't you say Marshall Tucker Band? And Marshall Tucker And Leonard Skinner, wasn't it? And Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like one of the concerts that you were selling T-shirts at. Well, back at the here's Bowl. here's the weird thing. I would this I would would have only been going on 15 at the time, so it predated my time. But I was living in that in the Piedmont Triad area. My two older brothers were at that concert that night. One of which told me the Hell's Angels ended the life of one would be uh, 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 knife wielding. Oh yeah, there, there person. Was all kinds of. We were in front. They slid in. We were with the other. Uh, Red Sox players as well because the the, the stadium the, the baseball stadium and the stadium were adjacent to each other so we got to walk down into the back and everybody said we got to go together so you got these forty guys for both teams carrying jugs of beer because you know they wouldn't let you take any kind of glass or anything <laughs> in so you got a one gallon jug of hot beer of course I'm not a big beer drinker. I'd, not saying I don't partake in adult <laughs> beverage, but it's not necessarily a beer. And so I got my jug of beer, and we walk around the corner, and I can hear, I'm just looking for some tush. Because ZZ Top wasn't even the closer then. I mean, they're no. in the middle. So as our game finished, we heard Steve Miller. And so Steve Miller finished, and then on our way over, there was no music, and all of a sudden it started, and it, the first song that ZZ played was, I'm just tush. looking for some yeah. tush. And so we're inside, walked in, the stage is like the outside wall of this building, and you're looking up. And they had the, the people playing up 12, 14 feet, and then you had off about 20, 25 feet, you had a row of Hells Angels. Yeah, acting as security. They were security. The and we were in between the two, and the first couple of guys that walked in, here they came over, and then here come this one guy out and said, oh, no, these guys are all – we didn't have any kind of pass, but they wanted us all in. So we got to see the whole concert because we couldn't leave. The Hells Angels wouldn't let us out of that Once ring. Once you're in, you're in. Once you were in that wow. ring, you were going to play to the end, and we were there till the end. <laughs> Trust me, and they were breaking down the stairs before they let us out. I mean, breaking down the equipment at the end of it, but it was a heck of a concert. All right, uh, the other one is I've got to get you to tell a story because a lot of people have asked about uh, – you know, everybody that's heard the locker room rant, Jim Fry, about 85% of the world's work. And no, that's the that Lee Iliad. Start Lee Iliad. I yeah. said, yeah, yeah, uh, Lee Iliad. 85% of the world's work, and the rest of them come out here. That was precipitated by an incident involving you. No, no doubt about it. Um, at the time, you had the walk of shame in Chicago. 
Every Cub player's always heard about it because the locker room for Chicago Cubs in Wrigley Field was down the left field line. So when you got beat every day, you had to go back in. If you, you, you were the home team and you got out in the bottom of the ninth, you had to go back to the dugout, grab your hat, helmet, your flip glasses, whatever you had brought to the field, maybe your couple of bats if you wanted, and then you had to take this long walk down the left field line all the way to the deep left field corner because that's where the entrance was into the Cubs' home locker room. Well, I had just won a world championship, had not lost many games. I got traded to Chicago. It's in mid-May, and I think we lost our seventh in a row, and we had a 2 to nothing lead over the Dodgers. And, uh, they come back, uh, get us out. Well, I single to lead with one out in the ninth, Jody Davis is hitting behind me, hits a ground ball to short, 6-4-3 double play, ends the ball game. So I slid into second, and, and Wrigley at that time, before they changed the dirt, was this old, dark, really heavy black dirt. So your, your white uniform would go really, it would just be filthy. So I'm just seeing the Dodgers celebrate, and I'm walking off the field going, that's the sixth in a row we'd got beat or something, and I'm – I'm I'm pretty upset, so I get over to lean over the railing because in, at Wrigley there's a railing and a fence. It's different now; they've changed the, the dugouts a little bit. But I leaned over to get my hat. I was playing right field. My hat, my flip glasses, my glove. I didn't care about the bat, I, and I was going to turn to go down the field. Well, I looked up. This guy goes, "Hey, Moreland," and throws a hole, sixteen outs, old Heilman's old style, old style, right in my face. I mean, just drenches me. And it I just struck me wrong. So I'm over the fence, fixing to jump on top of the dugout. I'm, you know, I'm suspension. I mean, I, there's no You went Ron Artest on him. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was going. And Big Lee Smith, I love him to death, grabbed the back of my pants and my belt, and he just was a big, strong guy. He just yanks me back. He says, Keith? I know you want to kick his, and I said, well, I will, and he said, not today, <laughs> like that, and so he pulls me back, and I sort of gather myself, and I'm just drenched, and Lee's walking with me, Lee Smith is walking with me, and about 10 feet behind us, we hear our manager, Lee Ilya, and he is just tirate, I mean, language I have never heard before, and I thought it was at me, and I said, well... I didn't get suspended by the league, but I'm going to get fined by Lee. I, you know, I, I, it was, you know, this is on me. So I go in straight to my locker waiting. For the yellow shoe to drop. Yeah, because usually <laughs> everybody would come in, and then the manager would send the, somebody down to say, the manager wants to see you. I had not been there, but I'd seen other people <laughs> at that point. Well, nobody comes to get me. And then all of a sudden, all the other players said, you hearing Lee? And this – Tyrate, which is one of the best in the history of the sport, uh, and the way he culminates the middle part of it. it. You think it's to the end. He has gone off for about two and a half minutes, and then he says, 15% of the world is 85% un- of the world is working. Working. <laughs> and the other 15% per- of these bleep bleeps come out to watch us or something. Yeah. Don't get on my players. It's not our players' fault. And it was all about he had seen this beer coming on top of me. So Cub fans, my bleeping bleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he knew he got fired that day. I mean, because Lee and I have had plenty of conversations since then. He said, I knew it was a matter of time. Now, they didn't fire him that night. But 
It was it, it was coming. It was coming. Okay. It was coming. We got to wrap up. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Okay. We didn't have time to get to the football. But but you know this, you, you'll be able to watch Keith as uh analyst on uh, Texas State telecast this year. You and Brand Freeman back, right? Yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll do those. I, I got I brought my Texas football. This time of the year, you have it in your hand and, and run around. I mean, obviously, I, we get to cover so many things, Craig, and one of the things that I want to thank you and, and, and everybody about the Austin Radio Network was th- their coverage of high school football. You know how I feel about it. Sure. I got the opportunity to play in the big leagues. always wanted to do it. I was blessed by that, by the good Lord. And when I got through, you guys helped train me. And I've, I've broadcast big league games. You and I have done six national championship games between four in baseball and two in football. I've gotten a great opportunity to do a lot of things, but high school football is still one of the most fun things. And I know why you can still do it. Yep. People ask you, and they ask me, says, why you? I said, look, it's still one of the most fun things to cover that I've ever covered. No doubt. I'll see you around the corner. Thanks. You got it. Uh, hey, uh, a happy birthday to Dave Clark. Uh Happy uh, 75th birthday there. No, he's a longtime uh, Longhorn fan. It's Easy Top, his favorite band as well. So happy birthday, Mr. Clark. Uh, we'll be back. Cam, I'll see you around the bend. Yeah, see you when I see you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy Jack Farrell will be in the uh, tomorrow. And uh, uh, Jeff Howell will join me back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay up next.